0: Here we are. You just can't get enough of that gift, can you? Go come back to unwrap some more gifts. At least we do have a quite a stack of gifts here we choose from. And uh, and in some cases, he might just stack a whole bunch of them up for us over here. So let's unwrap them. Let's get them. Take them. Read some instructions. Put batteries in them. That's prayer. Okay. That's power through prayer. Anyway, that's the Holy Ghost through prayer. But uh, let's get the gifts working. Uh, Gifts are not meant to just stay. I don't really think gifts really are intended to just stay in a... I'm kind of waiting for everybody to settle down. So anyway, uh, that's not a rebuke. That's just let everybody else know why I'm kind of talking a little bit. But, you know gifts are not meant to stay wrapped. They're meant to be unwrapped and and, and, uh, rejoiced over (laughs) and put to good use. I hope that the last couple of sessions and one, one of the things I've continued to go back to and go back to is that the Bible teaches every person has access and should be using a gift of the Spirit one or more. And one thing I've been trying to stress is that many people are using and putting to use gifts of the Spirit, but because it doesn't look in your life like it looks on the platform, we overlook it and think, ah, it's not happening. And I hope I'm getting that message across. And I'm going to deal with that some more tonight and, and showing you some other ways that could happen. But we're also going to talk about some other things. I just want to begin by reading about the fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, I want to pray for a minute. (laughs) Lord, I thank you for this day. It's been a good day. We have been in your Spirit. We have taught your Word from county to county. Lord, it's been a great day today. Now we're here tonight teaching your Word again. It's a great day. I pray in Jesus' name. Let us unwrap these gifts. Let us put these gifts to use. Lord, let it mean more than something pretty and something fancy. Let it be truly useful in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, would you all say amen? First of all, I want to read Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But this is of the Spirit too. But instead of the gifts of the Spirit. This is through the Spirit. And I want to just add to this. I, I mentioned it briefly, but I want to read them and I want to add to this in a little more stronger, thicker layer, that we really are not prepared to be used in the gifts of the Spirit until we have developed and borne the fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, that's how 1 Corinthians chapter 14 starts out. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. If I give my body to be burned, if I bestow all my goods upon the poor and have not charity, it's profited me nothing. So in any way, form, and fashion that we exercise a gift or that we exercise generosity, nothing matters if it's not with charity. And that's why I want to read Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, if I, just by memory, can you remember what the first fruit is named here? That's it. Love. And I don't know if you have these. If you do get these notes, uh, there you go. Thank you very much. And uh, through the Spirit, it just starts right out with what Paul is emphasizing in chapter 14. Charity, love. Everything must be done in love. Is that right? Through the Spirit is love. It is joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. I really believe what he's talking about. Against such, there is no law. That seems like I don't have to hang on to the end of that, does it? Don't seem like it. But when you're dealing with Jews and Gentiles, you have to you have to express to people that look, folks, you don't have to be approved to be a Christian. <laughs> you don't have to walk around with a measuring stick in your hand to be a Christian, and to be a good Christian. Because Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Don't worry about it. Don't get the yardstick out. Don't go to the ordinance book or the rule book because there's no law against it. And that means above all the law of Moses. There's nothing in the Bible, there's nothing in the Old Testament law that's going to hinder you from producing this fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, if I love people too much, I might not stun them to death. Well, Jesus said, he is without sin cast the first stone. That's because he did have so much love, but the other folks had so much conscience. (laughs) If it would have been anybody else, they probably would have went ahead and thrown the stones. But being Jesus, I have a feeling they kind of felt like he was looking right through. And they said, hmm, nah. (laughs) He knows too much about me. So he that's without sin cast the first stone. There's no law that would hinder you from producing the fruit of the Spirit. No law of Moses and really no law of any land that I know of that would hinder you from producing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Say it out loud with me. Read them out loud. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Next verse, meekness, temperance. These things, if we have these things in our life, we will be so effective with the gifts of the Spirit. It would be amazing how effective we are. Now, I'm going to go now to Ephesians chapter 4 and talk about gifts. And I want to show you the difference between gifts in more ways than just one. Ephesians 4 and verse 7, it is speaking of a different aspect of gifts given to men and to the church. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verse 8. Wherefore he saith. It's talking about Jesus and the prophetic foretelling of what Jesus would do. Wherefore he saith, When he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive, And gave gifts unto men. But the next verse is in parentheses, Next couple of verses. Then it says. Now he that ascendeth. What is it but that. He also descended first. Into the lower parts of the earth. He that descendeth is the same also. That ascendeth up far above all heavens. That he might fill all things. Then it goes on. Now that. Two verses in that parentheses Is letting us know. That when Jesus Christ. Died on the cross. At at a point, he ascended. Matter of fact, apostles stood there and watched him ascend in a cloud. But it said, for he did that, though he descended. Actually, it says, what is it but he also descended first? Otherwise, he's saying, what would that do for us unless he did descend first? I know we've heard sermons about, and it's it's neat, and and I believe in some sense of the word, some spiritual application, some sense of the word, it's so. But it certainly makes a great, great dramatic story to tell about Jesus dying on the cross, being put in that tomb, and the devil starting a big party in hell saying, We conquered him! (laughs) Ha ha! He's dead! And as they're partying, a little imp comes running up to Satan and all of his other imps, and their are partying and says, uh, 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 Lucifer, something, something, something's gone well, wrong. Uh, I hear footsteps coming down the corridors of hell. And there, there was a nail-scarred hand that reached out to Lucifer and said, Give me the keys, give me the keys. And Lucifer handed the keys, trembling over to that nail-scarred hand. And Jesus came up and ascended back up with the keys of death and hell and the grave. That's a good one. I love that. (laughs) And in some sense of the word, that's exactly what he did. But I don't necessarily think it's a solid Bible doctrine to say that he physically actually stomped down the stairs and back up. But this scripture does tell us, gives us some insight here. He that descended is the same also that ascended. So it's saying go back to the ninth verse please, so everybody can we read it together. Verse nine says, Now he he ascend, now that he ascended, excuse me. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first? Everybody say descended first. He ascended what's the big deal if he didn't descend first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended, however, is the same also that ascended up. But he didn't just come back up to the top of the earth, but he he ascended up far above all heavens. <laughs> so indeed, whatever the case was, he David prophesied in the spirit, Thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer my body to seek corruption. David prophesied and he didn't even understand, I'm sure. I mean, I feel certain he did not even understand what he was prophesying. But we know, and the New Testament apostles brought it very clear, that he was speaking of his own, his seed, the seed of David. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. That that seed of David, Jesus. Thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer my body to seek corruption. Hell, but this is not hell where the fire is. There's three, at least three at least three good, solid different meanings for hell. One of them is the hell that we hear about that we definitely don't want to go to and uh, for eternity, and that is the place of torment. But the grave is also called hell. So Jesus did not necessarily... He could, if he wanted to, he can do anything he wants to do, right? But that's where it says, leave my soul in hell. Is not necessarily talking about eternal torment. I don't know... don't believe Jesus had any torment he may have I know he did he descended into some realm of darkness and took some things back from Satan that he had no business with Satan had no business with and brought them back and gave us victory but I want us to see something here it puts this in the context of him dying on the cross Descending first in the lower parts, and what is it even the fact, what well, what good did it do for him to ascend if he didn't descend first? Otherwise, oh, be right back. Now I'm ready. What good would it do him to ascend except that he said, oh, hang on, be right back. And he descended first. Then, now I'm ready, and then he ascended. What's that all about? It indeed was, in some way or another, the Bible, one scripture said, talking about destroying the powers and principalities of darkness, and it said, triumphing over them in it, triumphing openly. (laughs) So Jesus Christ, when he beat the devil up good and, and absolutely devastated all the powers of darkness, He did so in a very embarrassing, open way. All hell knew of it. All heaven knew of it. The angels perched over the balcony of glory, no doubt could look down and say, You go! (laughs) We got your mansion ready. Hallelujah. In my Father's house are many mansions. And then he ascended up, but look, what's this? Verse 8. Let's go all the way back to verse 8. Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and did what? It gave what? Now these gifts I want to talk about because they're not the gifts of the Spirit. These are not gifts that he gave to the saints in the sense of putting a gift in their heart. It's a gift he gave to the saints in the form of a preacher. Let's read it. Let's go to 9, and then we'll move on straight from there. Ah, uh, Go to verse 10. Let's just keep going. Let's really move. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, Ephesians four eleven. Ephesians four eleven. And he gave some apostles. Wait. Is that thing freezing up on you? Okay. I'm going to try to be patient. Uh, try to go back to eight again. I, I know this is five seconds. Five, four, three. I just want you to see it, and then I won't make you all wait anymore. It's They're just having problems with the computer. I, it needs air. Y'all back up. I'm kidding. How many it take to run a computer for. <laughs> I'm having fun. I thank y'all for being having a good spirit. Verse eight. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity to captives and gave what? Yeah. Come on, help me out. He gave led captivity captive and yeah. now go straight back to verse eleven. Because you see those two verses in between are in parentheses? You understand? i just kind of let you know. Verse 11, he gave gifts to men, and he gave what? So, what are the gifts that were produced by him saying, oh, wait a minute, now I'm ready. Now I've got some gifts that I'm going to give you that is really going to be worth something. And he gave apostles, some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and he gave some evangelists, and he gave some pastors and teachers on for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These ministries, apostles, say it after me, please. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, sometimes we call these a five-fold ministry. I've heard them even said these were it was, a, it was typified by David when he went down to the brook and picked up five smooth stones. <laughs> Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Others have said, of course you have to be in the English language to do this. Maybe. I don't know how many languages might have Jesus in five letters, but J-E-S-U-S. Wham! Wow. <laughs> I love it. But here we're speaking of him scooping up some gifts and preparing and paying the price and and giving something full of power, something that can literally transform people's lives, that will literally build a church in the earth, that will destroy the works of the devil. The apostles said, because of the preaching of this gospel, that he has brought us out of darkness into this marvelous light. What can do that but the preaching of the gospel? The scripture talks to us about um, that which is greater than the gifts of the spirit. And that which is greater than the gifts of the spirit is without any doubt the scripture itself. Because no gift of the spirit, no prophecy, no tongues interpretation of tongues, no word of wisdom, no supernatural gift can conflict with the word of God, the Bible, and be right it is impossible for it to be right if it conflicts with the scripture because the word of god he even exalted his word above his name the word of god is above all things everything else that we have gifts of spirit and everything else is measured and is judged based on the word of god the bible So he gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And the reason I know this does not mean that he gave some people apostles, but over here he didn't give them apostles, but he gave some other people prophets. It doesn't mean that. The reason I know it doesn't mean that is because I know the apostle Paul served in more than one of these capacities. So I know it doesn't limit that. So the word some here does not mean some people got apostles, but, but they didn't get prophets. But these over here got prophets, but they didn't get apostles. That's not what it means. He gave some of each kind of ministry, and he gave it for a reason, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. What's it for? Let's say it like it is. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, which we all are. One little boy was trying to defend his father's ministry in his honor. People were talking about saints, and he said, My dad's no saint. He's a preacher. <laughs> well, Lord, let me be a saint first and then a preacher all at the same time. I don't have no reason, have no cause to preach if I can't be a saint of God. Being a preacher do not exempt me from what the saints live by. Being a preacher causes me to live by that and then hold myself by the grace and mercy of God to a higher standard. Though I, I fear that I lack greatly, but I, however, strive greatly. And we do this to, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's the gifts of the Spirit to do in the church? Seek that you may edify. So the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are gifts. They're not gifts that are given to a preacher. I'm, as a pastor, Pastor Jason does not have the gift of pastor like you might would have the gift of faith. God doesn't give to a man, I'm giving you the gift of pastor and I'm giving you the gift of apostle. The man or the woman, the person themselves is the gift according to these scriptures. He gave gifts to men. And what was the gifts? He gave apostles. He didn't give a man the gift of apostlehood. He gave the person who is an apostle to the church. I thank God for that. I was, my wife and I were listening this afternoon to a preacher that my wife and I both love and miss on this earth very much told my wife, I said, I pray. Oh, I wish I could hear his voice again. I know that's a recording, but I wish I could just hear his voice in person. And my wife said, well, we'll hear him in, on the other side. And I said, yeah, but you know what? There's some, some things in the Bible that makes me believe that he may not sound the same over there. <laughs> and out of one thing, he won't be preaching the same thing over there. If he's speaking, he don't have to preach redemption because we're going to be have it made already by then. But with J.T. Pugh. One of my most favorite preachers of all time. He had such a way of putting things. He was talking about our experiences in God. And I thought, I listened to him speak and I thought, Lord, what a gift that you gave my life. When J.T. Pugh came through my life, what a gift he gave to me in the man, J.T. Pugh, and his ministry that he was. And so on. Verse 13, please, if we can go on. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. Why do we need all this? So we can perfect the saints to the edify of the body of Christ. Preach, teach, apostle, prophet, everything that goes with the pulpit ministry. Preaching ministry, whether it's behind a pulpit or not. But preaching, teaching, ministry. So that we can come to a point where we can be beneficial to each other as the body of Christ one to another. I can assure you of this. And Apostle Paul proves that even in the very book of 1 Corinthians that we're teaching from tonight, <laughs> that without the guidance of a pastor or an apostle as he was, it would be utterly chaos. <laughs> oh yeah. He said he would say, he said, he said, anybody come from the outside and look at the way you're acting, they'd say you're all mad. What's that? Insane. <laughs> oh. So without the gift of apostles, prophets, bandages, pastors, and teachers. The gifts of the Spirit would be utterly chaos. But by the Word of God, according to the Word of God, the gifts of the ministry, the five-fold ministry, and it's to, and it's to continue to work that way till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Grow, 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 and grow some more. And then edify, edify, edify in unity. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit moving among us until we come to the perfect man. That's saying a lot, isn't it? Until the measure of the stature of what? Fullness of Christ. That's a big mouthful. But preach, teach, prophesy, apostle, pastor, go at it. And then... Direct and teach and put set in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. That's what he's doing in these chapters of of First Corinthians. So that when then we are come to the unity of the faith, perfect man, fullness of Christ. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. He did call. These same Corinthian people back in the first chapter, babes. That weren't women either. That's talking about babies. (laughs) That we henceforth be no more children, strike that, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Hey, you know, when I'm enjoying, you folks look like you're enjoying this so much, I'm enjoying it so much, I have a tendency to want to say something that's funny, and I don't know how to be funny. Ask my wife. Till we all come to unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, into a perfect man. Verse fourteen: That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Understand? Have you ever seen anybody in your life that this has happened to? You know? Don't you have to raise your hand? And by all means, don't call names. <laughs> have you ever seen anybody in your life that this has happened to? To where that they just, and then after a while, it's. You know, I'm not trying to dance. I'm trying to demonstrate a wave. Thank you. Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. Cunning craftiness. You know, it's hard really for me in my mind to comprehend a preacher having cunning craftiness. But unfortunately, there's plenty of them out there. And that's why the Bible says, know them that labor among you. We need a pastor. We do. We need a pastor. We need a church that we can go to, we can be a part of. People can can pray for us and, and really watch after us in a sense of the word. Not judgmentally, but in, to encourage and help us. Go to a church, watch after one another. Let the pastor help watch after you. The ministries come to the pulpit. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The church is moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Prophecy, faith, miracles. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and all the things that God would do in the gifts of the Spirit. But under the direction of the gifts, that is the five-fold ministry themselves. So that we're not immature, tossed to and fro. If it, if, at some point, if we want to really grow and be steady... It's just the way it is, and I pray that you won't have to go through the storms of life until you're just ragged to learn this. I pray that it's not so. But we will never really get solid, rooted, ground, and established until we figure out that we need to get in a local church and stick it out. And have us a pastor and love him and stick it out. I've had people be honest enough with me in the years gone by, pastoring here, that when they came to the door, you know, I always said, if I'm going to be man enough to preach in the pulpit, I'm going to be man enough to shake their hand when they leave. (laughs) And that's not the only reason. Come to the door and say, you know what? You preached something three weeks ago and I just didn't agree with you at all whatsoever. But you know what? Three weeks later, you know what? You turn out to be exactly right. I know that sounds braggadocious. But that's really, really the way it ends up working out. You question things. And you know what? Good pastors are not necessarily offended by that. As long as you don't create chaos in the in the congregation. You understand? If you ponder things in your own heart, well, Mary the Virgin Mary pondered it in your heart. She didn't understand what was going on. Plenty of people pondered things in their hearts, in the new apostles even. They didn't understand what was going on at the moment. But they waited until it came around, and sure enough, God was right every time. And in this case, it's important that we stay with the church long enough that we can see that even when we think the pastor's wrong, that we can wait around long enough to realize, you know what? He was right. Then we didn't get tossed over here and tossed over there and tossed over there and then say, Whoa man, I'm in a mess. You know, he was right after all. No, no, no. Just stay in the same church. Sit there and think he's wrong if you want to. <laughs> Some of y'all are not laughing because you, you know exactly what I'm at. You're there right now. <laughs> yeah, you are. But But really. I've had people be honest enough to tell me. I, I didn't agree with you three weeks ago. But, and I have had a couple tell me, I don't think that's right. And then a few weeks later come back and say, I was wrong. You were right. But it wasn't it wasn't James Barnum. It was it was the office of the pastor. It was the anointing. It was the word of God that's right. And it was the way that the anointing helped the pastor or the apostle or the prophet explain the word of God that was right. I'm not pastor now. I'm saying this on behalf of Pastor Jason or whoever else may be in your life. Not only the pastor, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Please, it is true, bottom line, it's just the way it's going to turn out, this is one of those things. Don't go all over the place and then come back and say, you know what, on that Wednesday night when you spoke that on whatever it was, February what is it, 16th, 17th, 18th, whatever, do you know the what? You were right. I mean, you know, I... I got my brains beat out out there trying to figure it out. But now I know. You were right. What, what was I right about? I was right about the fact that you need a pastor. That's what I'm right about. <laughs> I'm right about the fact that even if you don't understand or agree with a pastor, stick with the church and stick with the pastor anyway and see how it turns out. Don't jump here and jump there. Don't get your, don't get your emotions all in a hot flash. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Slat of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. I can't even imagine a preacher doing this, lying and wait to deceive. But they're out there. But God wants you to stay in a church, stay with a pastor, gain confidence. Nobody's perfect. Our pastor's not perfect. No other pastor's perfect. This church is not perfect. No other church is perfect. And you've heard it said before, if another church was perfect, I went there, then it wouldn't be perfect anymore because I'm there. <laughs> but you understand, no, it's not perfect, but it's you need to figure out if this is as good as it can get. And this is as good as it's going to get. And I can guarantee you, go where you want to go, this is as good as it's going to get. Except that we will continue to grow here, <laughs> Right? But it, otherwise, we don't have to go other place seeking something better. I'm just letting it fly tonight. Are you are you mature enough to receive it? I'm just I'm just letting it go. Okay. And then it said, speaking the truth in love, verse 15. That by that doing that may grow up in unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16 from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, every joint supplieth, every joint supplieth. It takes every joint to supply. It takes every member of the church to truly perfect the church. It takes every person functioning, unwrap that gift, get that gift out, get it in your hand, get it powered up, get it working, get it moving, because that's what it takes for us to come to that point of perfection. Perfection that every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We're we're right back to love again. How about that? So you really can't function in these other things if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want to take just a little bit more here and... And, and just go a little bit more into the gifts of the Spirit. I just want to just... I'm back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, with verse 8, and we're going to go down through that chapter there a little bit. For to one is given the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. These are gifts of the Spirit now. Now we're in the church. It could be the preacher. It could be the apostle, pastor, teacher in the pulpit or something else, or it could be... On the back row, front row, middle row. Here at Souls Harbor, we don't have backslider rows. Rows. We don't have backslider seats at Souls Harbor. You can't sit back far enough, Brother Autry, to be a backslider here. <laughs> He's a <an> nusher, folks. <laughs> you can't sit back far enough to be a uh, to be a backslider. Here, we don't have backslider. We don't have we don't have hypocrite pews. If they're here, we just we just shout them out, sing them out, pray them out and let the church roll on. I'm just talking about how good I feel about his church tonight everybody shout hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> The word of the gift of the spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge, the Lord shows me that you have Aching in your bones when you wake up in the morning. But the Lord wants you to know it's going to be okay because it's all part of the growing spell. Now, the word of knowledge, hey, many ways to explain. This is my way, so I got the microphone. Word of knowledge. Now, I, I'm doing that, and we might can know that, but example, I have to be simple. Now, he it's, not, it's knowledge. It's not some word of prophecy or discerning of spirit. It's just knowledge that I don't have, and he knows I don't have the knowledge, but he has it. And when I come up to him and say, you're having those aching in your bones every morning, but it's going to be okay. And it's like, oh, how do you know that? Wow! How do you know that? I ache every morning when I get up. I ache for breakfast. Before breakfast. I ache. How does he know that? Wow. He must be a man of God. Tell me something else. And now you're going to be healed. I believe it. Healed. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. This of the Spirit is to build your faith to edify so that what comes next, you believe it. Matter of fact, the Scripture lets us know that the Lord confirmed His Word when the apostles preached with signs following Preach, 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 preach. Now, heal. Bam. Miracle. Man, what he's preaching is good because it's a miracle. Now, I told you last week and the week before, we need more of the gifts of the Spirit operating in soul's harbor. Let's clap our hands and rejoice in that. <laughs> now, one more thing I want to rejoice about. We actually do have more operating than most of us realize because we haven't really recognized what's really operating. Now, let's rejoice in that. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. What does that mean, without repentance? It means when God gives a gift, he don't take it back. You can backslide. You can run like Jonas at the bottom of the ocean. But when you get back up, And the whale vomits you out of the land. You still got a message, you still got a gift, and you still got a job to do. Come on. Praise God. Hallelujah. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God don't repent of what He gives you. The fact is, some people can absolutely backslide, absolutely be as corrupt as they can be, and still operate in the gifts because God don't take them back. So don't ever, th- I'm saying this for all of us, but don't ever think just because you're super spiritual and some God does something through you that, well, I must be okay even though I know I'm living in sin. I must be all right because look what God just did. No. The gifts and college of God without repentance. Even if you're doing wrong, God will honor the, that faith and that gift because he gave it to you. He don't, he's not a, he, he don't take it back. <laughs> I won't politically say the other thing. <laughs> hmm. So he gave the, spirit of, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom, word of wisdom, the word of wisdom. You, these bones ache you every morning. They hurt every morning, but God's going to take care of that. Now, God further reveals to me, and then I begin to say things that he has no knowledge of. It's beyond knowledge. And the Lord begins to explain then how He is to go forward from here and how He's to, to proceed and what He's to do with what God does for Him in order to go forward, grow, and progress in Him. That's wisdom. Knowledge is knowing, wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge you have in, simple, in the most simple terms. Word of knowledge. Telling you things you may already know or may not, you may already know, but it's, it's knowledge that God gives somebody else that you know they didn't have any way of knowing. Wisdom is now then them beginning to tell you things, then you go out and you begin to do what they said in that word of wisdom, and it works because that was God giving you that word of wisdom. Now, I know that we've kind of, we've kind of, we've, <laughs> forgive me if I seem critical, but because I believe that I can sit behind a desk and God can, and you can sit behind a desk, And God can use you just as much at your office, in your break room, or in the shopping center as he can right here, okay? But the gifts of the Spirit are gifts, charisma, divine gifts, divine abilities, supernatural abilities. So we can't say, I have a degree in psychology, and thus I sit behind my desk, and I know how to give people wisdom and knowledge, therefore I have the gift of wisdom and the word of knowledge these are supernatural gifts you don't learn them in college now believe me a little college sometimes helps but that's still not a supernatural gift that just kind of maybe gives a little extra that you can help them in other ways what's the other gifts of the spirit verse 10 please to another working of miracles you know my wife uh, has been using the gifts of the Spirit since before I met her I have great respect for her I've always given her full reign and full liberty Y'all know that So you that's been here years and years Know that sometimes you can tell Uh oh, they're not agreeing on this <laughs> The pastor and his wife You can feel it But I let her have her way Why? God was using her mightily before I ever met her And I respect that And she don't do anything to hurt anybody it's just maybe not the way I would have done it. I'm, I'm praising her. I'm not being critical of her. I'm, you understand. And but after we got married, we went to a church that I preached in when I was younger in Texas, Lyder, Texas. My wife got up and she looked at a man back there and she said, Sir, stand up, please. This gifts of the Spirit. It's either, it's either word of knowledge, word of wisdom, miracles. But it's, but it's definitely a supernatural gifts. She says, I see a hand, I see a hand like a giant hand over you. I can see it right now in a vision. Every time God's ever given me that, it's because God was fixed. God had turned His hand of blessing and prosperity over on you, and that He's emptying His hand out upon you. and You're gonna be blessed mightily. That was on Sunday night. I I preached there like I said as an advantage. My wife had never been there before in her life. I took her there for the first time that service on a Sunday. That was Sunday night. Monday, well, I knew that was the pastor's brother. I knew that. <laughs> she didn't. Monday, the pastor woke us up and said, I want to tell you something, Sister Barnum, because this preacher didn't believe in women preachers, so he was really antsy when she was doing all this stuff. But she wasn't preaching. She was doing what any saint should do, operating in the gifts. But I believe in women preachers, so whatever you want to do, it's up to you. In in the kingdom of God and in the, in the spiritual things, there's neither male or female. But, uh, but there are biblical guidelines. Yes, there is. But... He said, I I, I was really worried when you were saying that, but I want you to know something. My brother, whom you prophesied over yesterday morning, went into work on Monday morning, and the boss caught him in the office, and he thought, "Uh uh-oh, what's coming down? Big layoffs, what's going on? He caught him in his office and said, Sir, uh, Mr. uh, McDaniel, he said, "Uh, you've been with this company, you know, 18, 20 years, long time. And this company has been blessed, and you have done a great job. And I know and I recognize this company's prospered because of you. So that for that reason, we're going to increase your salary by, it was like almost double. And we're going to give you a brand new company truck to drive full time. Happened the next morning. That's what you call either gift of faith. I don't care if you call it gift of faith, work in miracles. I want it. <laughs> Speak it to me. I can tell you, Naomi Butler Varnum is mightily using the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm just telling you whether you whether you sometimes think she goes overboard or not, I don't know. But don't tangle with her. I made that mistake. <laughs> I know I'm a husband, so it don't mean everything it does for you, but I'm telling you, God's gonna stand by her, and I didn't found that out. Don't don't mess with her, please. That's right, I'm serious. I'm talking very plain, very mature to you. <clears throat> so I'm looking at the clock, trying to behave. So, other 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 supernatural gifts, discerning of spirits. A lot of you have a gift of discerning of spirits, but you don't give it any mind. Whether it's a shopping place or whether it's Your neighbor or a relative are in this church when you walk in. There's people you see and you think, I don't want my kids near that person. Discerning of spirits. Have they done anything yet? Do you see their police record? No. Supernatural discerning of spirits. God's protecting your children by giving you supernatural discerning of spirits. We just don't we just don't realize it. And it could be a you know a thousand other things. Discerning of spirits. Tongues, interpretation of tongues. That's the one we see and know the most. You know, there was a guy when I was growing up, I'm sorry this is funny. God knows I don't mean to be disrespectful, but when I was a kid this was really funny. Really funny. We had fellowship meetings and there was this one preacher that always got up there and he he always spoke in tongues for about thirty minutes and gave a Thirty-second interpretation. I'm only exaggerating a tiny bit. He really did. It was. It seemed that way. And here's the way it was: a san donadie, a kan donadie, a han donadie, and one more donadi. I can't remember what it was. And it was those four things over and over and over again. I ain't got it. I went to a fellowship meeting or service, actually it was a conference. It wasn't our organization, but it was a conference a few miles from here, about an hour and a half from here, once. It was a very unique, to say the least, organization. It was you know, wasn't our organization, but it was and this preacher got up and he said, I want y'all to know that when the anointing of God comes upon me, I start crying. And when I start crying. <laughs> Say, I say, I say, I say, Salah, 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 salah. <laughs> salah, salah, say, say, I 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 say. You think I'm my wife had to get up and run out so she could laugh. <laughs> this went on for 15 minutes. <sighs> Folks, look, if you get that bad off, just, pardon me, shut up. <laughs> but we get so afraid that we won't do anything. Right? Many times. We're still afraid we won't do anything. Now, someone said to me the other day, and, and, and it's true, the Old Testament says if someone prophesies don't come true, he is a false prophet. And that's true. But here again, that wasn't a person with a spirit, of, I mean, with a gift of prophecy. That was a person who was a prophet. Now, I don't want to try to act like it's not important that we be exact and right with the gifts of the Spirit. But I believe it, it appears to me in the New Testament. Matter of fact, these very chapters in here that Paul's writings is, is to say, I, don't forbid people to speak in tongues. Even though the people were going crazy speaking in tongues, they had all the funny stuff I just said and about a hundred more going on in the Corinthian church. And yet, he said, forbid not to speak with tongues. Are you kidding me? If people are that off their rocker, you'd think he'd be saying, stop all that speaking in tongues so you can get it right. But he didn't, did he? He said, forbid not to speak with tongues. So in the New Testament church, among the laity, the saints, there seems to be a little more patience, a little more ease that God has for us so that we can learn, that we can grow, we can perfect. And that's why, we'll get into this more next week, but that's why the Scripture says, Let one prophesy, and let one who sitteth by, let them judge. That gives it accountability, and it gives it balance, and it causes people not to go way out there in left field. I want to talk next week a little bit. I want you to be thinking about praying about this because I know it's going to be sensitive to some of us. But I want to throw this out there so, you be, so it won't surprise you too much next week. But I'm going to talk a little bit about, and I'm not totally saying one way or the other, okay, on this. But I, I, do, I do want to, I am praying all this week, last several weeks, and I'm praying until next week or whenever the next time I teach on this about it. But how can somebody judge if all the prophesying we do is whispering in somebody's ear? I'm a little bit concerned about... Not necessarily it's always wrong, so that's why I said, (laughs) you know, just pray about it with me, okay? But if the only kind of prophesying we ever do is whispering somebody's ear, how is there any accountability in that? I am actually going to show you a way to have accountability in that next week. But... if I may say again to to mature people of God, I may say this, we need more full body of Christ gifts of the Spirit operating. It's not that we could never whisper. <laughs> There's a few things that God wants you to tell people. I definitely believe he wants you to whisper it in their ear. <laughs> but it would probably be wise, first of all, that a man does not whisper in the ear of a woman without maybe his wife standing by or somebody else that is of accountability and of some personal you know, attachment to the man who's whispering in a woman's ear and vice versa, woman and a man. This is wisdom. This is the gifts apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers helping you perfect. <laughs> huh? Say it, amen together. Amen. Tongues, interpretation of tongues. You know what? It's easier to give a message in tongues than it is interpret. <laughs> oh, yeah. I may agree with that. <laughs> oh yeah. Can you imagine somebody you know like like that one guy? I'm sorry, pardon me. I, I don't believe it was of God. That's the only reason I would I would mock it, but it's like Honda D, Sanda, dee, sanda dee Oh, excuse me, made a mistake. Nah, we don't do that. If you're in other tongues, who knows you made a mistake? You just go on. <laughs> True. And how do you even know if you made a mistake? You don't know what language you're speaking. <laughs> So yeah, giving a message in tongues, yeah, we we got we got courage for that, but now interpreting in the language everybody understands, now that gets down in the gut of your stomach because I've I've experienced that you see, I've experienced that down in the gut of my stomach where, oh, somebody gave a message in tongues or even somebody it was prophecy, and it was just oh, some of you are gonna know what I mean. You feel that it's like you got two or three words and that's all you got. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now. You got two or three words. Matter of fact, all the words you may have is, Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> really, let me give you a little something. Did you know you don't have to say, Thus saith the Lord? <laughs> but if it makes you feel better to give yourself a little running strip, that's okay. <laughs> Did you know you can just walk up to somebody and say, The Lord says this and this and this and this? You know that thus and thou and therefore and hitherto—that's really just King James version. We don't—we really, don't speak that way in America. <laughs> but it's okay. You know what? It's okay because we hear it read from the King James version, so our mind basically works that way. Isn't that right? Many times we say "Thus saith the Lord," and we go that way. It's okay. And <laughs> After all I'm teaching tonight, you, you're going to have to really be spiritual or you're going to get tickled one of these nights. <laughs> just don't look at me. <laughs> I'm glad I'm at the end. <laughs> Everything I just said, I take it all back. No, <laughs> Not really, y'all know that. Because it was all good. Interpretation of tongues. But that's usually the way it works. Somebody gives a message in tongues. How do you know if somebody it's a message in tongues or it's not just somebody praying in the Spirit? Because when people are praying in the Spirit, everybody just keeps praying. The noise just keeps going. It's full volume. But I can tell you, I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of times. (laughs) I'm, I'm saying like Brother Billy Cole now, thousands. But I've seen it hundreds of times for sure. That there would be just a roar, roar of people worshiping. I've seen it at general conference with 20,000 people. When all of a sudden, this roar just goes, just like somebody took the volume and it, on the PA, and all of a sudden, <laughs> hey, that's all I can say because I'm not going to mock the real thing. You know that? And all of a sudden, there it is. Now, somebody's got to interpret. We're going to go deeper into that next week about how the Bible tells you how far you can go with tongues before you have an interpretation because there's a Bible pattern for that. We'll talk about it next week. Interpretation of tongues, but it's, it's supernatural. So here's the thing. God's usually only going to give you two or three or four or five words, maybe only two or, you know, just a few. Don't wait for the whole thing. You'll never do it. Is anybody here that's ever interpreted knows? experience what I've experienced. Anybody ever interpreted tongues that knows that's true? Raise your, keep your hand up. There's two people raise your hand and jerk it back down real fast. There's there's about six or eight right now. Okay. Rest of y'all get on board. Rest of y'all get some fortitude. No, really, I understand. It's it scares you half to death. I'm fixing to say uh, out there. And what if I get four words out there and I just go, <laughs> and I'm done? Let me tell you something. Number one, if you know you've been praying and seeking God and, and wanting to be used of God, if you know in that service you've been, maybe even before you've been praying, but in that service you've been praying and worshiping, if you know, you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you know what it feels like. If you've got the Holy Ghost, and especially if you've been praying enough in the Holy Ghost to be used of God, you for sure know what it feels like. And if you know that you're feeling the Holy Ghost and those few words come to you, let it out in the name of Jesus. Speak. Because there's somebody needing that word. God sent all these gifts of the Spirit up in the church. Why? So we can have scriptures to read and spend time on Wednesday night? No. He wants you to unwrap it, get it in your hand, power it up, and use it. Let's praise the Lord together. Shall we? Woo! Praise Him together. Hallelujah. 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 Praise Almighty God. Praise Almighty God. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray a minute, each of us, all at once, but each of us pray. Let's pray, God. The Bible says seek after the gifts. Seek after the best. So let's pray in some way about what I've been teaching about, okay? Just start praying. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me. Help me, Lord. Help me to get powered up enough in the Holy Ghost that I get away from my notes. I can get away from what i prepared, even though you gave it to me. But now a supernatural gift is on its way. Help me, Lord, to be willing to step up and step out. In the name of Jesus, help us to be willing to step up and step out. Help us to be willing to do it where we can bless the whole body of Christ so that we can even be accountable to those who sit by and judge, not in a negative but in a spiritual, holy way. They sit by and say, yes, That's from God. In the name of Jesus, help us to be that so filled and that so unified and used of you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray in the name of the Lord. I hope and pray and believe. I believe that pastor is going to be absolutely astounded within the next few days and services at how that some of you are going to step out and be used of God. Now listen. If you're going to go by this, and the pastor says, Hold on just a minute, brother. Hold on just a minute. That's not bad. That's just working together. That's him. Hold on just a minute. And he finishes his thought, or he does what? And then he says, Okay, now go ahead. Because the Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Subject. What does that mean? Submitted. That means the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means if if there's a prophecy in me, I can use wisdom as to when it's given spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. God bless you, and it's also subject to other prophets that judge. Okay. I believe pastor is going to be so blessed to see miracles, faith on a level of the supernatural gifts in this church. Would you love to see that happen? I'm not asking you to volunteer. I'm just asking you, would you love to see that happen? Wave your hand before the Lord, or clap. Do somehow let God know, let all one another know. See there? Everybody that I can see in here would like to see that happen. So Lord, let it happen. Lord use us, I pray. Lord speak to us almighty God in Jesus' name for your glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you.